खिलाफत के अमी हम हैं अमानत हम संभालेंगे जो नेमत छिन वी बिलीव इन इक्वेलिटी ऑफ ह्यूमन बीइंग्स इन द रूल ऑफ लॉ एंड वी आर अगेंस्ट ऑल टाइप्स ऑफ ऑपरेशन वेलकम टू द एमकेए यूएसए वाइब रन बाय मजलिस कुदामल अहमदिया यूएसए America's oldest and largest Muslim male youth organization. We're here to share a weekly recap of the latest in Friday sermons, speeches, lessons from our respected imams and wisdom from different sources. Khalifa ke labon se jo gulo jo har bikharte hain. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. بسمیلوالبنا Surely those who say Rabbun Allah, our Lord is Allah, and then remain steadfast, the angels descend upon them and they say, do not grieve and do not worry. This verse is very special for us as Ahmadi Muslims because we are one of those unique jamaats in the world today that not only by saying it, but by through actions and by the people of our community, we have shown that angels indeed descend on this community, descend on us. If you see the message of the promised Messiah salam, you will find that one of the most important messages that resonated around the world was that God still speaks today as He did in the past. He still hears as He used to hear. The main point here is that we should always remember that God speaks to us. And if we refine ourselves and reform ourselves and make ourselves better human beings, Allah Almighty can connect with us. And the promised Messiah says that many people promise that in the next life you will get heaven. The truth is heaven will start in this life. You will see heaven on earth before the next life. And if you see it, then you know that you will enter heaven. And you have to have the spiritual eyes of seeing heaven so that we can enter it. Now why is that unique? Why is that important? Because our goal in life is summed up in one word in the Holy Quran. And that is to attain taqwa, righteousness. To be a muttaqi. But there are three main questions. How, why and what? What is taqwa? Why should we adopt taqwa? And how should we adopt it? For the first question, what is it? It's our goal, as I've mentioned to you. It is a way for us to connect with God Almighty. It is a way for us to fulfill our purpose in life. But why? Why? So you can witness heaven on earth. So you can be among those chosen ones of God who is liberated. Some of you may have famously heard of 
the concept of the matrix, the red pill or the blue pill, right? The red pill is what? You remain in your ignorance. And the blue pill was what? You get to see the reality of life. And so that reality is what Allah Almighty actually promises us in, re- in, in truth. That if you connect with God Almighty and you adopt taqwa, you too will have a connection with God Almighty. The last question is how? How do we adopt taqwa? It's a very simple formula. You have to do the right thing at the right time. That's it. That's as simple as the meaning or definition of taqwa. Doing the right thing at the right time. So this brings us to the conclusion or to the next step of what is the right thing at the right time? And where do we find out what is the right thing at the right time? How do we know? How do we know what is good to do and what is bad to do? That is what distinguishes us from other religions and from people who have no religion. For example, the code of moral or moral code. Each religion has its own moral code. Some religions will say this is good and this is bad and this is good and this is bad. But Islam is very unique that it not only tells you what is good and bad, it tells you what is good at this moment and what is bad at this moment. It takes us a next step forward, teaches us the philosophy of those things. To give you some examples, bravery and courage. If you ask a Christian or a Jew or any other religious person, is bravery good? They will say unconditionally, yes. You have to be brave, outspoken. You have to just get it done. So courageous that nothing stops you ever. But the reality is that the Holy Prophet Muhammad <laughs> is the one who has taught us the balance in life, moderation. How do, we be, how do we show courage and bravery and when not to show it? The Promised Messiah says, before I give you some examples, he says the extent to which we are able to present the diverse morals of the Holy Prophet Muhammad <laughs> is not within the power of any other nation to present in favor of their own Prophet. For example, the Messiah Jesus can only be shown to have exhibited patience. He continued to suffer brutality. But how will it be established that he attained a station of power? There is no doubt that he was a truthful prophet, but it cannot be proven that he exhibited a moral example in all respects. Since he is mentioned in the Quran, we believe in him to be a prophet. Otherwise, the gospel alone does not prove that the Messiah demonstrated a moral character that accords with the grandeur of the prophets who are strong in determination. In the same way, our, if our perfect guide had died in this initial 13-year period of hardship, many aspects of his lofty character would have remained hidden, as was the case in the Messiah. However, when he was later blessed with an era of triumph, and those who had oppressed him were presented before the Holy Prophet, it was then that his attributes of mercy and compassion were truly proven. To give you an example, of bravery and courage. It was the battle of Uhud. And for whatever reason, the battle did not go in the way in the favor of the Muslims. And they had scattered and dispersed and victory was not in their hands as it was at the battle of Badr. 
at that moment, there was only a handful of Sahaba who were protecting and surrounding our Master Prophet Muhammad Even at that point, somebody had thrown a rock that actually hit the face, the blessed face of our Holy Prophet Muhammad At that moment, they began to shout vile and terrible things, saying that God forbid the Prophet had died. But because they were hiding, and it was a big risk to the small group, so they remained silent. Then they continued to incite the Muslims, and they began to say that their gods are still alive, and their gods were victorious. Upon hearing this, the Prophet said, Why do you remain quiet? Now you must speak. Even though they were at the risk of being captured, he said, no, this is where he showed his bravery. He said, when it comes to our beliefs, then we are even willing to die for them. We have to be able to speak up. And he ordered them to speak up and say that, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Or he's, in other words, that God is one. Another example though, of when he decided that it's time not to show that bravery and instead to accept what was there was at the time of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Some of you may or may not have heard of this. The Treaty of Hudaybiyah is a very important incident in the life of our Master Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah says in the Holy Quran, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem Laqad sadaqa Allahu Rasulahu Ru'ya Bilhaq Latadkhulunnal Masjid Al-Harama InshaAllah that surely the vision, the dream of the Prophet has been fulfilled, it's been true. It's so true that he will be entering the Khana Kaaba. At that time, he gathered 1,200 of his blessed disciples, his companions, and they began for the Umrah of the Holy Kaaba. En route there, they kept being stopped. Every time they would get to a place, they, would be, they were stopped. So they would redirect themselves so they can get to the Holy Kaaba in Mecca. When they got very close, they stopped at a place called Hudaybiyah. There, different emissaries would come to make a pact with them. The first couple were very arrogant and they would try to persuade them to go back. Finally, one of them came who was more moderate and the treaty began to be written. At that moment, when they were writing the treaty, they wrote Muhammad Rasulullah goes into this treaty. When they wrote Rasulullah, the emissary said, I'm sorry, we cannot accept that you are Rasulullah. This is what the fight is. So next to your name, you should write Muhammad. That's it, your name. Do not write Rasulullah, we don't accept. Now as you can imagine, 1200 Sahaba are there. Personalities like Hazrat Umar. They stood up. They showed their bravery. They said, absolutely not. We believe him to be Rasulullah, that should remain. But the Prophet said, no, this is not the time. This is the time for us to fill out or to fulfill this treaty. When we sign this treaty, Allah will make a way for us. And then their hearts will change to truly believe in Rasulullah. Right now is not the time to press upon this. At that moment, he even said himself, show me where it is. As you know, he could not read and write. And he erased it with his own hands. At that point, on the way back, the Sahaba felt very embarrassed. 
and shy that maybe they had made a mistake maybe they had been disobedient god forbid and on the way back even hazrat umar radhiyallahu mentions that he even went to the back of the caravan as to avoid the holy prophet and his displeasure but the prophet ordered that he should be brought forward very hesitantly he was brought forward and the prophet told him allah has just revealed to me the words fathan kariba that there is a victory from this that will come very soon so this is the key that at times there are times when we must speak up we must be courageous other times we have to use wisdom and we should not incite people creating anger and frustration and fighting with others but there are other times when we should stand up when people are attacking our religion when they are in a way trying to push us down we should stand up courageously for the holy prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and god almighty even the promised messiah alayhi salam in his time there was a, a special event in which he sent some of his disciples there he said very clearly if they are to say anything negative against our master prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam you must leave right away and this is what we understand today that we are not willing to sit and listen to anybody abuse and say all kinds of disgusting things about our master prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam our promised messiah our khulafa or anybody that we hold dear another example is with regards to forgiveness as you know that at the time of the battle of badr and ohud and all these battles they were to defend islam at one point when they finally signed the treaty the deal was that the muslims and their allies will not bother the meccans and their allies if they are to bother them if they are to break the treaty the treaty is over and there is no more peace between the two cities then whoever is the one who is wronged will have the right over the one who has done the wrong so what that ended up resulting is that there were two tribes one was very close friends with the muslims and they were allies to the muslims and the other tribe that was an ally to the meccans they attacked the muslim ally and they killed them so much so that they ran to the holy kaaba and held on to it fearing for their lives and yet these people did not desist they continued and they killed them and during this massacre they began to shout to the holy prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam for his protection allah then revealed this whole scene to our prophet so then the holy prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam as was destined in the in the in the old testament in the bible as well he gathered 10000 of his saints of his companions his disciples and they marched towards mecca the day that they arrived just imagine the scenery 13 years they suffered companions were killed and murdered at that point he had the opportunity to control that nation do whatever he decided he could have lined them all up and said sorry you all tortured me and my companion this is your verdict he was the judge he was the jury that day but when he arrived in that city he stood up and he says i now declare a general amnesty you are all forgiven 
Look at the mercy and the compassion in the heart of this man who suffered for 13 years. If you suffer for 13 minutes, you will not be able to bear it. You will want revenge. But he had 13 years of suffering. Not only towards himself. Some people can say, I can handle it. But if you attack my family, if you attack my children, my friends, my relatives, I will not be able to handle it. And that was his state. His own, grand, his own grandchildren or grandchild was murdered because she was still in the womb of his daughter and she was attacked. So there are so many instances and yet he stood up and he said, I forgive. On that day was the happiest day for Islam because on that day we were victorious. And a very interesting story goes, that same day he goes to his auntie's house. When he enters the house, he asks her, do you have anything to eat? And she said, I'm sorry, all I have is dry bread. And he said, please bring it, I will happily eat it. The day of his victory, the day he is a king of all of Arabia, he ate dry bread. That is all he had to eat. So we should never forget the blessings that God Almighty has given us. Today we live better than the kings of the past. We have to thank Allah for that. And that is why we too have to be ready to be forgiving and loving. And that brings me to the last element, which is respect. As you all know that we also have to show respect. But there is a respect at the right time and there is a respect at the wrong time. Some people think respecting your boss all the time is the right time. That's not the right time. In Urdu, that's not right. Just because he's your boss, you continue to respect him so much. What are you doing? You're buttering him up. So that is where Islam says, no, that's not correct. That is not the correct respect. You show respect to somebody who is deserving, but does not have the social capacity or the position in society to earn it on his own. He is put down in society, and yet you give him that respect. To give you that example, we talk about Sayyidna Bilal. Beautiful companion who was from Africa. Many of you may know this or may not know this. There was companions from Africa, from Persia, from even, even the Roman Empire. There were different companions of different nationalities. One was Sayyidna Bilal. He was a slave of Umayyah bin Khalf. Very brutal master, bitter enemy. But Allah Almighty says in the Holy Quran that, O oh Muhammad, وسلم, you are not the father of any of your men. None of them are you. You are not the physical father of any men of your people. But you are the spiritual father. And in Surah Qasr, even, he says that your enemies will be childless. They will not have children. So on one end, he says, you, are, you will not have children. On the other end, Allah says, your enemies will not have children. What does it mean? Allah says very clearly, we see from history, that he didn't have children, but he had spiritual children like me and you. And his enemies had children, but none of them became theirs. Even Umayyah bin Khalf's son, Safwan, became a Muslim and a Sahabi. Even Abu Jahl's son, Ikrama, he became a Sahabi. This is how unique it was that all of those bitter enemies, all of their children joined Islam. 
So in the same way, we find that Hazrat Sayyidina Bilal, he was tortured so much in Mecca. <laughs> Unbelievable how much he was tortured. But yet, he remained resolute. When they would torture him in Mecca, they would put him out in the hot sun, they would take off his shirt, they would put heavy rocks, hot, steaming rocks from the sun. And they would burn his skin. And they would tell him, say that there are more than one God. Say that there are gods. Say that there are gods. And all that would come out of his mouth is the word, Ahad, Ahad, Ahad. Which means one God, one God, one God. He's a slave. And yet he showed that resolution. He showed that love for the Holy Prophet Muhammad <laughs> and God Almighty. So you can imagine the day that they are entering Mecca, how must he have felt? A place he was tortured. The only memories he had of Mecca were of torture. How do you think he must have felt that today we are re-entering Mecca? Now to show him respect, the Prophet told Abu Sufyan, the chief of Mecca, the night before, he said, tomorrow tell the people if they want to be safe, and they want to be free, remain in your homes. If you want to be safe and you want to be free, remain close to the Holy Kaaba. And if you want to remain safe and you want to remain free, stand under the flag of Bilal. He assigned him to hold up the flag of Islam. And if anybody wanted their freedom, they would have to go who? To Hazrat Bilal. They would have to get their freedom from Hazrat Bilal. That is how he honored him and showed him respect. We too have to do that. Remember that. There are children. They are less fortunate people. Find ways to show them respect. Give them ways to empower them. Remember Hazrat Bilal is the same one who gave azan throughout the life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad <laughs> So much so that during Hazrat Umar's time, Hazrat Umar asked him, Oh Bilal, can you give azan again? He said, Oh, please, beloved Khalifa, no. He insisted again. He said, Please, Bilal, can you do azan again? And again he said, Oh, please, I would rather not. He insisted a third time. Then he said, Because you are my Khalifa, I will listen and I will do it. When he began to call the azan, the Sahaba were so emotional, they thought that maybe the Holy Prophet Muhammad <laughs> had returned. This azan was so emotional for him that even after this azan, he became very weak and eventually passed away. So like I said, we have to find ways to show respect at the right time and the right place. We have to show forgiveness at the right time and the right place. And we have to be brave at the right time and the right place. May Allah help us to do that. Amen. I will end with a quote of the Promised Messiah and a final prayer. This is again with regards to heaven and how we should attain it. He says, One bounty that the saints are blessed with is that they see the angels of God. The life of the hereafter is based completely on faith. However, a righteous person beholds the hereafter in the present life. It is in this very life that they find and witness God, and He speaks with them. 
So if a person is not blessed with such a state of affairs, his death and passing on from this world is not a promising prospect. A certain, a certain saint is reported to have said that a person who has not been blessed to experience even one true dream all their life is to be met with a perilous end. The Quran also says that this is the hallmark of a believer. Take heed. One who does not possess this sign is bereft of righteousness. So we all ought to pray that this condition is fulfilled in us. And this is Hazur's prayer. He says, May Allah the Exalted bless us with the grace of revelation, dreams, and visions. Ameen. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim. Inna ka hamidu majid. Khalifa ke labo se jo gulo johar bikharte You've been listening to the MKA Vibe by Majlis Qudamal Ahmadiyya USA, America's oldest and largest Muslim male youth organization. Subscribe to get more of our weekly recap of the latest in Friday sermons, speeches, lessons from our respected Imams and wisdom from different sources. Tweet us your ideas and thoughts at Muslim Youth USA.